If you're looking for a gaming convention, and I know I am, Fear the Boot RPG Podcast is running a convention just outside of St. Louis, Missouri, starting with a social mixer on Thursday, March 11th, followed by two days of gaming on Friday and Saturday, March 12th and March 13th. So if you're looking for an affordable con with a lot of great people, then be sure to check out what we're doing and get signed up at fearthecon.com. That's fearthecon.com. I mean, what else is going on in March anyway? That's why we have it in March. And we hope to see you there. This is Ross Payton here with Roleplaying Public Radio, and this is episode 40, first time GMing. What, 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 what? Ross, Ross! Where's the announcer voice? Uh, it wasn't there! Try it. We, we've done this stick enough, Tom, that it's getting kind of tired. I just died a little inside, Ross. Yes, Tom. I'm sure you have. Anyways, this game episode is about first time GMing. Uh, advice for people who are about to run their first uh, game of whatever it may be Dungeons and Dragons, Call of Cthulhu, whatever. Um, we're here to help you. And if you are experienced GM, maybe you can you know, pick up a few Lend tips. Lend your anyway. wisdom. We're, we try and entertain. Of course, we have two very special guests. Well, not special at all, but they're guests anyway. Not anyways. short bus special guests. Yeah. We have Cody uh, oh, no. and uh, Aaron, who are going to be talking about uh, GMing experiences, what they've seen in uh, first-time GMing. And Aaron I, is a, a new a newbie. Yes, he is. He is a he is a newly he is a newly minted GM. So, yes. Hey. Of course, he had to use copyrighted music when he was running the game, so uh, we're not going to put him on the podcast. So. Uh, Way to way to go there. Way, way to, to be a team use player. that crutch, you know, make up for your own shortcomings there, Aaron. Well, anyway. Uh, by the oh, and this, by the way, it's like, <laughs> yeah. So Stop anyway, as you have probably gathered, uh, my mic should not be turned around a lot because in case they actually want to talk, so yeah. you're going to hear a lot of sounds of things moving around. It, I think it makes it real. Yeah. Anyway, um, before we before we get into the main topic, though, before we get in there, we got a little bit of news. Uh, as you have already heard, because I put the promos before this show, uh, we are going to be at Fear the Con, March 12th and 13th. Uh, it's from the uh, Fear the Boot people. Uh, they are up in St. Louis, and so we're going to go up to St. Louis, and I'm going to run some games for them. We'll have that up on the Actual Play podcast, of course. And we're just going to have a whole barrel of monkeys worth of time. I don't know. Have that work out in your head or something. Uh, it, whatever was in my head was a lot better than what came out of your I mouth. I know. It was. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Cody, with the save. So, <laughs> Jokes about having sex with women. <laughs> yes. So uh, uh, if you are in the St. Louis region or if you are going to Fear the Con, uh, come down and say hi to us. You can see us, maybe even touch us. Yes, and Tom truly has a face made for radio. Rub, rub our heads no. for luck. <laughs> hey, Ross, I uh, I'm, I'm sure hoping you were planning on me driving you there. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I'm I don't really think you are. No, I'm not. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> uh, we uh, uh, Some of you may not even realize, although hopefully most of you by now, um, all the actual play episodes will no longer be on this podcast feed. We've set up an entirely new podcast feed, uh, RPPR, Actual Play. Uh, there are links all over the main website, and uh, it's a weekly podcast, so uh, you can get a, a several hours of gaming goodness. Uh, we uh, just posted Candlewick Manor, uh, as run by the writer of uh, Monsters Other Childish Things, Ben Bow, uh, Bo, at uh, uh, DragonCon this year, or last year, uh, 2009. Um that's where the New World games are going. Uh, so if you're a fan of the actual plays, subscribe to it. It's on iTunes. And, uh, yeah, so. And, uh, yes, 
Uh, before you know it, I I think it's been played to death. Yes, in the early games, I didn't use my fighter powers. Yeah. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you for pointing that out to me. Uh, or you, can look up, you can look ahead in future games to see how many times I can die in, in a call. I don't think anyone's can hear you there, Aaron. Need, it's a directional microphone. Okay, I'm about to turn it to Aaron so he can say something. How yeah. amusing. Um, so, yeah. No, I would say in the future episodes, you might want to tune in to see how many times I can die within at least one Call of Cthulhu session. Yeah, we've already posted The Well of Sacrifices, where Aaron died twice. And, and, uh, uh, yeah, we're not two separate player characters with that, doing the same thing. So He doesn't learn from his mistakes. I like that episode because somebody posted a comment, I like Greg Stolze's stuff so much as a player that I bought his books that he wrote. So uh, <laughs> he was the native guy who failed occult checks and decided that the vampire bats had to be decapitated in order to kill. Anyone who was, had their blood drain had to be decapitated. So <laughs> making his decision based on failed skill checks. That's great <laughs> role play. Um, it's like a metaphor for something. It is. Uh, for something, certainly. Um, also, finally, the RPPR main site, Role Playing Public Radio's main site, has been redesigned. We have two awesome, sexy new banners uh, designed, uh, uh, illustrated by Ian Moody, who also did the cover and a lot of the artwork for the New World uh, Primer and the Goblin Hulk. And then uh, K- Casey Green, he of Gun Show uh, Comic Horribleville. And of course, he did the uh, art for Oregon Trail 13, the uh, video on Rail, and a bunch of other good, great stuff. And Extreme XP. Um, in fact, that's another shout out I'm going to mention uh, later on. He has a book coming out. So if you want to see his funnest stuff, you can uh, check that out. But anyway, uh, so that's I think that's about it for, for the news there. Get that out of the way. Um, let's get into the main topic. So, uh, first time GMing. Uh, well, let's. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll throw it over to Aaron since he was the one who introduced this show topic. Yes. And we'll let him speak first, and uh, then we can... Get on, go ahead. Go okay. On. So what do you have to say about it? Uh, I don't know. Um, Get a little no, closer to the microphone. Oh. Six to 12 inches. Okay. There you go. No, like that. Can you hear me now? Um, no, it was just a little bit of a harrowing experience being a player for so long. Um, I did do a GMing. Tom can attest to this back, what was it, like in 2003, where, um, oh, what was it... Um, 2000, was it 2001? Okay, that was the uh, Teenagers from Outer Space failed thing that I did with our friend Dan, who kept trying to rent, rest control away from me the entire night. And then I stopped for a long, long time. And I only recently restarted with Tom and our friend David um, doing some very minor mutants and masterminds things. Uh, the big thing that just came up recently was um, our friend Andy came back into town and wanted me to run a game in his system, in his own personal system called Alterscape, um, which is something we all do with a lot of our other Is that the one that's kind of like White Wolf storyteller system with the dots and everything? Uh, in a sense right now, we've actually changed it up a little bit where it's more reliant on like certain specific dice that you have to roll and then add up meta skills into it. So um, it's a, it's like a little bit different. I'll I, If we ever talk to Andy or feel... If we uh, get some other information right. from him, he'll put it out. Um, but I did. I it was really harrowing because I thought it was only going to be three people. Well, uh, two other people uh, showed up. Other uh, friends showed up, so it ended up a game for five different people. Oh my god! And uh, to me, it was like sitting here, jug- uh, it's like juggling fire in my hands while everybody's Son looking at me, going, "Bitch, are we having fun yet? Are we going to be doing stuff?" And they had no problems with it, but it was just, it was just interesting to see how I could try to balance out a, a fair, what I consider to be a small game between so many people at, at once. Okay, um, and of course, uh, uh, Cody, he of his own fan club, shall uh, uh, you remember your first time GMing? 
I do remember my first time. Uh, was it on the beach and the, was, was there a screaming <laughs> pelican involved? <laughs> I never thought this would happen to me. Uh, my first time, strangely enough, um, she made me put it in her ass instead because she didn't want to get pregnant. <laughs> no, no, so. not, not GMing. Oh, not I'm game. sorry. I'm sorry, GMing. Uh, <laughs> actually, my first my first time of GMing I th- was, I believe, uh, New Year's Day of 2003. Um I remember it specifically because... Oh, back up. Okay. No, 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 no. Closer, closer. Oh, closer. Yeah. Um, I remember it specifically because, um, like, I was in high school at the time, and my parents always threw, like, this big party and had all my friends over. And we'd always been talking about playing D&D, but we never really just sat down and tried. And so after about two or three... No, actually, like, the night before on New Year's Eve, we're all making characters, and so it took, like, four hours because none of us knew how to do anything. Like, <laughs> And apparently we didn't know how to fucking read instructions either, and it was third ed, and so third ed oh. just didn't look as good as... as I mean, as far as, like, yeah. instructions to make characters, it's just not as clear as fourth ed. So, um, so you know, we, we tried to make our characters, and then on New Year's Day, we actually sat down and tried to play, and it was a relatively simple scenario... They're in the streets of a city. This girl's going to be murdered by goblins. Go save girl. You know, I mean, it was because it was like, uh, I didn't want to craft like a story for that at that point because I didn't know how to run the game yet. So it was just a, a real quick, let's see how we can do this. And uh, immediately, my immediate problem was one person on the team um, whose character name was Willie Hungwell. <laughs> <laughs> which I'm always a fan of now. Um, <laughs> Willie Hungwell... Uh, I, I I gave them, you know, standard amounts of gold and stuff like that to, to buy any supplies that they wanted. And Willie Hungwell ended up buying two ten foot ladders and a ten foot pole and ten feet of rope. And then he wanted to tie all of those things together to create a giant like siege weapon to hurt people. And I was like, You can't do that, that won't do anything. And you can't wield a weapon like that, that won't work. Um, so that was an immediate first problem I had um, with the game. Did he fail out of basic shop class? I mean, what the hell could you make <laughs> that would, unless you dropped it on somebody from a third-story building? I, I think that wouldn't he, hurt anybody. What he wanted to do, I think, was uh, I think this was his idea was was to tie the ladders together and then stand in the middle of them and then spin around in circles to try and keep them <laughs> from <laughs> like it, it, yeah, it wouldn't work. I mean, obviously, it would never damage anyone, but. Anyway, well, if um, they were stupid enough to stand there, be like, "Oh, you're swinging a big ass ladder." Oh, yeah. and they're goblins anyway, so they're short enough that exactly they're gonna, you know, they're gonna miss it. Too. So, but anyway, so they, you know, eventually they they kind of you know were a little bit more serious and they killed the goblins and stuff. And my favorite part in was I was it was when I was first trying to get into the whole logistics of things. Hello, we're taping. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so like. Like, I was getting into the whole logistics and the realism of it, and I remember uh, uh, Willie Hungwell was really far away from the girl, and my friend Andy Potter was, he was, uh, his character was talking to this girl, and Willie Hungwell says, uh, he goes, he goes, hey, hey, ask her if she's a virgin. And I said to him, I was like, you realize that you're so far away from this that you're basically shouting across this street, hey, ask her if she's a virgin. <laughs> and so that was essentially our first round of, of D&D ever. And it was, um, 
it was okay. I it's, mean, you know, I, I wrote a lot of these, you know, first time playing D&D stories and you'd be surprised or you wouldn't be surprised if you're, uh, how many of them involve sexual assault or something yeah. like something yeah. really inappropriate. Like you're a paladin and you have a unicorn mount. Well, I know how to get rid of that unicorn. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just, it, it's, it's funny to me because it's like, um, you know, that, that first session in my mind should never ever involve story, you know, because you just, you don't know, you don't know what you're doing. You know I mean? It's, it's really hard. Well, it's at least very hard to incorporate some sort of story. Even whenever I ran my first real session of like, let's include a story here. Even then it was like very ham fisted and who knows exactly what is actually going on. So, yeah. so. All right. Tom. So, uh, you remember, I remember my first GMA experience. All right. It was January of 1988. Okay. I was running... I was eight. And I was running Teenage uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Other Strangeness, which is the first game I ever played as well. Same here, actually. Yeah. And, uh, Damn my, you, my, Palladium. I know. You well, back, back then, come on, we were young kids. We thought it was cool. Yeah, well... We, we, we were stupid. That, imagine what would happen if we the first game I got my hands on was World of Cinnabar or yours. <laughs> I wouldn't be friends with you. I would be in an insane asylum. <laughs> or president. Yeah, or president. <laughs> but anyway, the scenario that was like there were four, actually, there were five players, and they were playing all four of the turtles, and uh, one was playing Casey Jones. I, of course, am eight years old and I'm highly influenced by movies, so what it was. A Terminator had come back in through time to kill April O'Neil, who was the mother of the future leader of the Resistance. That's actually surprisingly good for your I, first time, GM. Eight-year-old. Yeah, that's really. <laughs> so, and you know, the, instead of the first fight happening in Tech Nor, it took place in her uh, her little antique shop, which demolished the place. Right, right. And uh, it pretty much actually. Followed. I even did. They were all arrested and sent to a police station. <laughs> so there were like, like four mutant turtles. You were a dick. <laughs> I was. And the thing is, all of them had seen the movie too. They were like from. The, they were like six to nine years old. Yeah. They had all seen the movie, so they knew what was coming. And sure enough, he comes barreling through with a car and starts shooting the place up. Yeah. Pretty much follows the movie verbatim until they got to the computer. You know, the the factory at the end. To which actually the Terminator killed April O'Neil. <laughs> he was trying to he was trying to kill her, and uh, I had one of those moments where I rolled lots of really good rolls, and uh, <laughs> yeah, he the Terminator crushed her head. <laughs> people think I'm a killer GM man, I was, and those people never played again. No, the, no, the thing was, no, actually, the thing was they requested, which then would then be the second time I ran this. Uh-huh. They requested, all right. I mean, afterwards, I mean, the game pretty much ended there. We said, okay, you're running this next time, but we won't be fighting in the future, in the, in the post-nuclear future, fighting the Terminators <laughs> as the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> I, like, um, so you were using the movie versions of the TMET where they wouldn't kill or drink beer or anything like that, not unlike the... Uh, uh, but th- these were still six to nine-year-olds. So, okay. yes, there was much drinking, there was much drugs, there was much <laughs> fornication. <laughs> oh, no, they... Uh, yeah, in fact, the guy playing Casey actually, uh, he wanted to, he wanted to uh, at one point in the game, he wanted to have sex with April. It's like I'm the father of the future leader. <laughs> wow. Uh-huh. Though the the young children are not innocent. That is what I have determined from that. 
So uh, did any of them become role players after that, or were they all? Uh, they all did actually. Oh, okay. We can we that we that we continued playing until I finally, until I finally moved back to you know I moved away briefly right. in uh, eighty nine. No. Yeah, okay. Well, we, we but yeah, but we we, yeah. we game for many years still. Nice. Um, your so favorite, kind your, of uh, your first one, Ross. Come on. I honestly don't remember exactly. I do remember one of the first times, if not the first. I was actually uh, TMET, um, and it was like for one or two people, but it was at like uh, indoor recess, like it was raining outdoors, and I had the book, so I pulled it out, and I didn't have any dice. So <laughs> it's like you're Leonardo, and some foot attack. Uh, what do you do? Go. I attack them. Uh, yeah, you kill some. <laughs> and I was like, I don't have a plan. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And did you have fun? Uh, it was actually kind of embarrassed because I didn't have dice. I was like, what the fuck am I supposed to do without dice? <laughs> um, wait, no, I, D I got the D6s from the Monopoly. It's like, ah, you can roll damage. <laughs> and uh, sadly, uh, I think the first full game, it was just AD&D second edition. Um, and uh, like I got it used at a bookstore for like a few bucks. And it was kind of like kill orcs, kill orcs. Uh -huh. you, you got the random treasure, a belt of gender changing. And ah, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was pretty immature. I, I honestly don't remember the, the, the specifics beyond that. So, um, so yeah, grade school was kind of uh, weird like that. Um, I also played a lot of Rifts and Palladium games, so the games were all terrible to just very, very bad. Um, so yeah, I don't, I, yeah, I, it, they all kind of blur together in my head. So, anyways, I think the problem, uh, the thing is, we kind of have a, a wide range from being too nervous to being too killer or being too uh, linear. So. Um, I think overall the, the key to first timing GMing is not being, uh, there's a, sort of a, a, the right level of confidence and, uh, in the game, there's a one extreme, too little confidence where you let players run rampant over you and you don't know what to do. And you're just paralyzed with fear. And the other, other extreme, you're like, this is my story. You're going to, you're just listening to me tell a story. I am so, solid. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, um, one of the things I had worried about initially in, the, in this last game that I played, thankfully though, it was with all really good friends, so they were just they were just willing to hear the story and, and interact with it more or less. To which actually one of the funnier things that happened was um, the whole story in, involved nanite monsters, and uh, one of the uh, one of the character our friends Dylan, his character actually had um, nanite enhanced blood and other abilities. So I was sitting here going like, all right, you really want to put those powers to this? Let's let's see how I can screw you over on this one. Well, and it's kind of your your experience is kind of interesting because you're 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 running for people who are already experienced role players. Yeah. So you kind of had like uh, people who are more supportive. Yeah, of in a support base. Like Cody the and Tom, they're all everyone was new. Like you you just had the book and you're like, what? The, well, hey, let's do this. Yeah. In in my case right now, it's I've been playing for years now, and it's uh, the the kind of the confident group, the confidence or excuse me, confidant group. Um, so you could of, trust the other people yeah, not to like. Oh, I'm going to be hung well. You know, uh, the fire. <laughs> hey, are you a virgin? You know. Um. Well, and, and it actually, yeah, and I was saying that in this case it was interesting because Dylan um, took a more interesting route because we do have a system where we can either let something good or bad happen, and, and depending on the D, on the D size, the die size that they choose, um, it's they it they get either good better experience or a worse consequence. In Cody's instance, uh, sorry, Cody, um, Dylan's instance. Um, 
They uh, He chose a D20 bad, got an 11, so all of his nanite powers were more or less frozen, and he was put into this um, husks, nanite husk state where he lost most of his abilities but kind of gained some armor and okay. Okay. and other stuff. So Right, right. Um, so I guess the key is, like, what would you tell people, you know, the first time or who really knew GMing, like, Cody? Well, I, I think I think one thing is, is that um, it's like you said is, is um, you know, Aaron kind of had it easy because he has a, a whole lot of people that that kind of right. can guide him along. But also, um, I, I think that a first-time GM that has first-time players also is um, kind of has some advantages too. Right. Uh, in, in a lower way, lower expectations. Yeah, so. yeah, lower expectations, and and a lot of people um, are just gonna. It, you all sort of fail together, and you keep <laughs> you, you and you all sort of just are trying to figure out like how the fuck do we play this game, and. Uh, and you know it's 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 sort of like everyone's in the deep end of the pool together at one time, you yeah. know. Um, but but the thing also is is that that um, I mean because I, I I just remember being a GM I I thought to myself well I don't really know all the rules to everything so I'm just gonna make up shit right and so which is really the key of good GMing so yeah you kind of like, stumble on it yeah I mean because I mean I would just do things like well I don't know how to how to uh, you know, create this puzzle or something like that. So I would just fucking make it up as I went along. It's like I had no idea what the rules said because I just didn't read the, the the DM guide. I just didn't do it. Yeah. And uh, I was like, Homework. yeah, yeah. Essentially, I I felt it was like I was like all I need is a monster manual and and all they need is is a player's manual. And it was so funny too because like those first few se- first few sessions, it was um, me and four people. And we only had one player handbook, and so we all had to pass them around to everybody. And of course, that was in the days where you didn't have powers or anything like that. And so, and no one was, no one on the team was was a uh, was a wizard anyway. And so, it was like they were all just a bunch of fighters and stuff like that. So, thank God for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's easy. Like, oh, yeah. I attack you. What uh, you attacking me? And what'd you roll? You know? Yeah, exactly. Probably so they combat pretty quick. But and then eventually, eventually, uh, it was that was my friend Andy and my friend Jared and um, Jessica, as we all know and love her. Uh, <laughs> Uh, back shoot. when back back when Jessica was uh, oh shoot uh, shit that was that, yeah that was back when she was a paladin and she refused to 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 do good things um, <laughs> because because she just she, she just whatever she is she has to be the exact opposite and I don't know why but um but anyway uh, and then Willie Willie Hungwell he stopped playing with us for a little while because he was actually like a basketball star and played for our, our high school basketball team and then once basketball season was over he could start playing with us again. And he goes, oh, I don't want to be that character because I, I don't really like that class. I, I'm going to be a wizard now. I was like, okay, that's fine. And he goes, all right, um, his name's going to be Misa Hungwell. <laughs> God damn it. It's like, and we were starting to get it like it kind of a, um, that was about like the fifth session I remember running and we were kind of starting to get a good flow going. And then he, he came in with Misa Hungwell and I will never forget. I will never, ever forget. There's this big force field that they're trapped behind and, uh, the only way they can get through it is is like one person has an item that allows them to get past it or something. I don't remember exactly how it happened, but essentially, Misa Hungwell he couldn't do anything, and it gets to his character, and then he, he's on like he's on this one square, and then he ends up. I was like, okay, where do you want to move? And he goes, okay, and then he just moves in a circle, and then he stops. He goes, all right, I'm done. I'm like <laughs> you fucking dick, you're just wasting all of our time. <laughs> you know? um, but that was just, you know, it's 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 funny because 
then no one had any expectations and and I didn't really do any like individual character storylines it was it was very sophomoric in the way that yeah. everyone was just sort of you know they were just characters in in a choose your own adventure novel it's like they 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 weren't really felt like they didn't have any wants or desires or needs they didn't have any family they were all just you know blank faced you know average adventurers and so it was you know it's it wasn't real great gaming by any means, but you know, God damn it, we got it done. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> so. exactly. Um, so, aside from being your own time, first experiences GMing, like uh, from other new GMs, like as a from a, as a player, or what kind of experiences do you have for that? Or Tom, anything? Well, as for being a player for a new GM, uh, yeah, right over here. Yeah, that's true. I was actually in his very first game back in 01. Oh yeah, and uh, let me tell you, I. Of, of things I would rather of rather do than play in that game is have is be smashing the balls repeatedly with a piece of heavy mining equipment. Be right. <laughs> now that wasn't his fault. That was actually the fault of another player. But I I'm not going to get into that. Okay. But the most recent one. I'll explain that problem in a second. Okay. Uh, it doesn't really need to be explained. It's <laughs> actually, is it Dan or yeah it's Dan. Yeah, okay. It's a Dan story. So uh, anyway, now the last one. He not did, the Dan of the Warlock. A different Dan. Yes, yeah. a different Dan. Not, not our Dan. Not our no, Dan. No, no. Our Dan's no, no. awesome. Oh, okay. We like we, say, we like our Dan. Our Dan would do anything. Yeah. This is a Dan from the past that he did. The, from high school, yeah. Not yeah. Big Bear Dan. No, no Big Bear Dan. No. no. But Fuzzy anyway, Dan. no. The last the, okay. This last Dan. game he did, um, I, it was it was just me and my fr- me and our friend David. So it was just two players who we gamed together for years. So we're very comfortable around you know just doing games with each other and we were very Dave and I were very supportive and we're like alright just and we did have to do it several times no you're doing fine just keep going just keep going and that that was a big problem the biggest problem I think gaming as long as he did with us yeah he's picked up a lot of all the basics just from playing but yeah um, the thing is though he's still you're still kind of terrified when it comes to running shit because you don't think you're doing a good job or you're not sure yeah so what do you say? Yes, and the rebuttal. <laughs> no, and it's not even a rebuttal. It's like, yeah, God damn it, Tom. Point, counterpoint. They're going to learn that I cry in my bed shit. every night. <laughs> More than I needed to know. Um, no. It's going to be wet dreams. That's true. Oh, yeah, Jason's here now. Yeah. No, he's absolutely right. It's just a confidence, mainly because of ongoing story, ongoing stories. Because I can tell you the first thing we did was using Mutants and Masterminds to create a Doctor Who setting since I've been watching the 2005 revival from here on in. And yeah, yeah, I, I don't care what anybody thinks. I like it. Cody, for the listeners at home, was making a, a stroking motion as though he were masturbating. He's not a method yet. I, he is not a method And actually, yeah. Tom can back me up on this, is that I, I used the Doctor as an exter- as an extraneous character. He was back away from the, most of the action all the time, so... Yes, yes. But in any case, they look exterminated, etc. etc. But in scars. any case, um, no. But he's actually right. It's just mostly nervous about the storyline being decent to where they, they, <laughs> the storyline where they, um, <laughs> you choked to death over there. Um, the storyline being decent enough where they're having entertaining, make sure I'm keeping to the rules system because I was new to mutants and masterminds and trying to make sure it was okay and. That's mainly all it was, and thankfully I had this jackass over here and the other jackass that we play with. That's like sitting here going, "Yeah, you're doing fine. You're doing fine. No, we're having fun with this. If we don't, we'd be sitting here sleeping." So okay, fair enough. Yeah, and uh, trust me, like that's another great thing about friends is they will honestly tell you what they think. 
Yeah, actually, that brings up a good point, though. Um, there's this. Uh, I think one of the first real hurdles for a GM is figuring out that line between friendship and fairness in a game. Because, like, especially when you're starting out, you, you there there's a point where like, oh, well, I'm going to dick his character over with this move, or like he just he jumped into a pit that he couldn't see the bottom of and expects to live. It's like, and I know it's full of punji steaks that are uh, uh, dabbed with kobold shit. So uh, how ca- I can tell him his character is dead, but then he'll be pissed at me in real life. So um, go, well, what did you do? How did you handle that uh, challenge? Um, I think like as far as like friendship goes, um, I think we all sort of had this mutual understanding that it, that, I mean, anything that happened to their characters in the game, it's, it's, I mean, there was, it was never any offense. Right. Um, the one time that I fucked over a player, I've, I've already talked about this before with a B-rape story, um, he just stopped playing with us. He was so, he was so upset with what happened, he just, he quit playing after that point. Wait, I thought that was Jessica who suffered. Oh, the... no, Je- Jessica wasn't B-raped. Oh, okay. That, that was, was somebody that was my friend Chris. Uh, Chris okay. was B-raped. And, um, and it was because, I mean, because we B-raped him, he, he just said that he, he, I mean, he's just stopped playing with us, and, right? Uh, and and that's a that's a risk you have to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I, I mean, and and I was I never once was punishing him. I was really trying to make his character have like be kind of haunted by um, his situation and try to make him uh, realize consequences in a game. Like I was never ever trying to. I was never malicious about it, and. Uh, he didn't take it like that. Um, he took the that I was trying to humiliate him or something like that. But, you know, I've, I've Jessica is a perfect example of um, someone who sees friendship as as like a, a uh, kind of like and she tries to use that to her advantage. Right, right. Because I mean, I, I was I was living with her at the time, and and we were playing a and we played like mutants and masterminds or we would play like D and D or something. And, and it was like, anytime she wanted something in, in a game, like she would kind of throw a little hissy fit if I didn't give it to her. Right. And, uh, she would get mad. She would just get like outright mad. And it was, it was really strange because it was like, I, I have no clue why you're getting mad at me for this. This is, it's such a stupid thing to get mad about. Cause it's a fucking game, you know, but she, I mean, she would outright just get very, very huffy and upset about things. And uh, but none of my other friends did. Well, know? so how did you handle the Jessica hit hissy fits when she couldn't? You know, uh, uh, you know when with, she blurred the lines. Basically, with with her, it was it was like you just had to ignore her and and and, and okay. just stick to your guns. I mean, every once in a while, I threw her a bone on on a few things. You know, like um, I would just give her a thing every once in a while to kind of make her happy. I mean, you right. you, you, you want to still keep your players happy no matter what, because if you don't, then you're never going to fucking GM again. You're not going to have anybody to play with. That is true. And so you kind of have to throw them a bone every once in a while. And so um, I, 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 I'll never forget, I think I've talked about this before in, in the Bad Player episode, but I'll just give a, a brief overview, is uh, there was just one particular setting where uh, she, they were like raiding this camp during my He-Man game and all of these like warriors start running out and stuff. And, and she's right there in the middle of battle. And I was really wanting her to take charge and go through and just plow through the ranks and start fighting and stuff like that. And, and she did not want to do that. She wanted, um, she wanted to come up with this elaborate plan that there's no possible way it would have worked. Uh, long story short. And I'll never forget, I will never, ever forget this, and this is the worst experience I've had in GMing, is uh, she said, um, 
she goes, well, I want to do this. I go, well, you can't, that's not, it's not, it's a physical impossibility. You can't do that. And then she goes, well, fine. <laughs> Someone just stabs me and I die. Are you happy? <laughs> and she started like, she got teary eyed and it looked like she was going to start crying. And I was just like, I, I've never, I've never in my, however fucking many games I've played here, I've never been so upset and I've never seen anybody so upset here that would start, oh that would start to cry. That would start to cry, maybe beat the shit out of each other, but never start to cry. <laughs> but, uh, You'll f- uh-huh. you'll hear about the fight later on, guys. <laughs> we haven't gotten to those actual plays yet. <laughs> it gets good. There's several of them. We've yeah. hinted at them yeah. before. But but and I think the next episode is the one that yeah. But that starts. You anyway. know, it's it's like I've never. I I mean, she was very very upset. She was very just wanted to cry. And so at that point, what I ended up doing is is uh is I I offered her another solution instead, this other third, other implausible solution. I think where she was able to use her disguise kit, which was the thing that she really (laughs) loved more than anything. And so... And and then what I ended up doing it by the end of the game is I, I she was basically the one that saved everybody's life anyway, but it was like... I was trying to get her to to the big part that I wanted her to get to, but she couldn't get past this one little skill challenge that was, you know, giving her just a little hissy fit. So, okay. but so in general, it's better to stick to your guns. Is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, it's it's best to stick your stick to your guns, and then every once in a while, just throw them a little, throw them something that I mean, if someone says, "Hey, I really want to make a steam powered robot in this game," yeah. then just let them have the ability to make a steam powered fucking robot once in a while. Is that a know? hint? Yes, it is. <laughs> I want a goddamn steam-powered robot. I think they're awesome. <laughs> if, if you want to, I can do a game for that. Well, yeah, I, that's, yeah. I want to earn it, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. That's an entirely different story. I've earned it. Well, like, let's trust me. Having a good group as your first GM, that can, it can be like, that can be like a soothing cream. Yeah. <laughs> it really can. Because otherwise, if you don't have it, it can be a royal ass That rash will spread. Hmm. <laughs> Classy. Um, we always are. Yeah. So, in general, I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I think the thing is, if you have friends who are in a game and they're trying to manipulate you for the, the game, I mean, what kind of friends are they in the first place to be such douches? To well, I mean, well, would you if you were playing, uh, um, you know, chess or uh, uh, you know, go or something, you know, or, or uh, go fish or whatever, you know, they, would you be like, hey, can I have an extra queen because I'm an awesome friend or something? <laughs> Fuck you! It's chess. Goddamn. <laughs> Respect the rules of the goddamn. Oh, can I take that yeah. move back? You're gonna checkmate me. I, you can't. Yeah, I'm your friend. Come on. I'll say look, the first GMing. It's a totally different thing when you're actually running it for people yeah. you don't know. Oh yeah. That can be a totally. That can be a totally yeah. different convention thing. games. Yeah, we've talked about that. Uh, you've never run a game at a convention. Cody is not. Okay. I am. I've your... never been to a convention. Either. Well, you've been to VisionCon. Mm-mm. Really? Nope. Not even to the dealer room. Really? Yeah, it's a couple weeks. No, it's next week. Oh, was oh, it? Yeah, VisionCon is next week. Like they I bumped it up from last year. No, no, last year it was in January as well. <laughs> was it? I I barely <laughs> is it, went. Is it considered a comic book convention? That's what it says on the little thing I got in the mail today. Yeah. Oh, really? Nice. It's that slash. Yeah. Anyway, yes, it is. Nerd. <laughs> going wild. Um, so. Comic. To yeah, to VisionCon. Oh, VisionCon. So I think I think we kind of got the any any last <laughs> points before we totally go off topic about VisionCon or. Uh, <laughs> I think if you're gonna if it's gonna be your first time, then you should you probably want to do it with people you yeah. know. But don't 
you know where they've been. That's for virginity, too. It's for all kinds of things. You know? People who care about you yeah. and will treat you right. Who go to a key party or something? I mean, what? Give you uh, a tug. <laughs> so uh, don't have too much control. It's not just your story; it's for everyone else's. And, uh, um, so you stroke, you stroke the players. The players stroke you, and it's one big stroke job. Yeah. Um, don't be totally paralyzed with fear, like Aaron, and uh, <laughs> instead just go for the happy medium. Um, I don't. I don't think we really touched on on the the idea of, of control, though. Either. Okay. I mean, I don't think we talked about that enough. Is that is the idea that. Um, that you as a GM, yeah, you need to be in control. You need to have a rough outline for plots and things, but you need to make sure that your players have, I mean, they ha- they need to really develop their own personalities. Give them chances to do that with little plot hooks and things like that. But with that, without it, then it's, it's you know, it's boring. It's like reading a book, you know, or something yeah. like that, so, or playing a book. So, uh, Are there any times when you played under a new GM and you saw this, like the... the uh, the time I, I know the Star Wars game, but aside from the Star Wars game, um, <laughs> uh, Tom and Aaron raised their hands. So, uh, yeah, but like like a, a GM that's like led me around by the nose or yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. Um, I can't really think of any off of, off of the top of my head that that have done that. I've usually had um, pretty good GMs that kind of are, you know, pretty open about like. You know, letting you kind of do what you want, um, but I, I, I know that Tom and and Aaron have some. So yeah, no. The in my experience, um, the the two DMs that uh, or GMs in this case will they would go for. I've, um, Dan, I won't get into that because that's just a whole mess load of Bag. stories that can of worms. Uh, that um, the only one I can actually think of, and Tom may be looking at this, is David, and in relation to his Harry Potter world game that we did. Because <laughs> that's it, just horrible no, already. Why did you play it? <laughs> well, the initial thought of Tom and mine was uh, that we had was, hey, we get to go, we get to fuck around in the Harry Potter universe, mainly the Draco Malfoy. Is something time that sounds fun to me, beating. anyway. It, well, we thought it would be a fun way to do it, but well, you were wrong. Tur- <laughs> what it turned into most of the time was Tom getting preferential treatment to every whim of his character and my character getting dumped on in every spitch way. I had like every hex that happened to me <laughs> happened to me and other stuff. So it's like David just wanted to screw around. Wow, it's now, uh, yeah, l- okay, like now let's, Mary, now Mary let's Sue okay, let's also be clear about another thing. You were the one that wanted to build a keyblade. <laughs> oh. Okay, I'm sorry, Aaron. You deserve everything horrible that happened yeah. to you. I'm probably gonna take it out on your next Call of Cthulhu character. <laughs> and the and the linking book from Mist. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Keyblades are kind of cool, though. Yeah. No, no, no. Especially if it unlocks the yeah. treasure in all the land. <laughs> <laughs> Mel Brooks. Yeah. Okay. Minnie Mouse's <laughs> vagina. <laughs> <laughs> this is okay. Wait a minute. <laughs> 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 that was in the Disney vault, baby. Minnie is a whore. So, any other last thoughts on the subject? I mean, Dakota, you finished, Eric. Don't be afraid if you everyone fucks up once in a while. Yeah, everyone. uh, Yeah, and uh, it's better to do with other inexperienced people rather than yeah, or not. Because they have lowered expectations. I think as a as a as a final thought, I mean, it's sort of like stand up comedy in a way because I mean, with with all the improvisation that's involved in it and, and things in delivery, it's in planning. It's sort of like 
stand-up comedy in that you have to bomb a couple of times before you get good. I mean, that's true. Yeah, I mean, if you if you bomb, it's no big deal. It's just you have to learn from your mistakes and move on, and you know, sit back and, and evaluate. Well, what worked tonight? And what didn't? Um, and if you have good players, then you can ask them. But you know, if you have first play- time players, eh, you know, probably you know, yeah, don't. So yeah, but anyway. Well, that, that, that's probably the single best point. You know, it's not how many times you fail, it's how many times you get back up. So just keep keep at it. And if you enjoy it, even a little bit the first time, you should keep going until your players all leave or shoot you in the face for being a horrible GM. Yeah, or B-rape. B-rape. Uh, just keep B-raping them. We got so, that B-rape. Oh, good callback. Uh, so we'll uh, be back in a bit with a letter from Tom and uh, shout-outs, anecdotes, and all kinds of fun stuff. All right. Uh, don't do that voice. This is a public service announcement brought to you by the Nerdbound Podcast. Have you recently been forced to quarter U.S. troops? Were you aware that as a citizen of the United States of America, this is strictly prohibited by the Third Amendment and the Bill of Rights? It's unconstitutional. You should fight for your rights and stop quartering U.S. troops. Also, you should listen to the Nerdbound podcast, because you would have known that weeks ago. So if you'd like to learn more about your rights as an American citizen, and hear a bunch of dudes play Dungeons & Dragons and other RPGs, then subscribe to the Nerdbound podcast on iTunes, or go to www.nerdbound.com, where you can find convenient information about all of our episodes. The reasons why people play D&D are numerous and, to be truthful, have been exhaustively covered in our previous episodes. And if you've just stopped by our site and clicked on this episode first, then shame on you. There is no hidden Easter egg or secret unlockable for jumping in on a later episode. Go back and listen from episode one like a big boy. Having said that, there is one reason for playing D&D that just happened to reach into my psyche and start rattling my thorax. That reason is as follows. Because the D&D world is better than my own. Now I can see the rationale behind that sentiment. It's easy to see how a world of magic and adventure would be more exciting than your drab David Fincher-esque 9-to-5 hell. But it's bullshit, and I can prove it with my usual flawless logic. My first point begins with another gripe I have. Last weekend, the History Channel ran a marathon about Nostradamus and the end of the world. I love how these survivalist nutjobs tell you what they're going to do when 90% of the population is killed. What's the point? Play those odds, chances are that you're going to die. It's the same thing in D&D. Odds are, if you were living in the D&D world, it's most likely that you would be one of the huddled masses of non-leveled peasant, eking out a meager living, surrounded by cosmic magics that you will never wield. You'll work from sunup to sundown, completely at the mercy of demons, beasts, monsters, and sociopathic adventurers who primarily see you as worth about 10 XP. Even if you manage to luck out and live in some magical metropolis on another plane, all you'll be is potential monster bait, another body to show the adventurers how dangerous the mission will be. Now let's say that you luck out, or you've performed the necessary coital activities on the deity of your choice. You are now a leveled adventurer, one of the beautiful people of the D&D world. You've got it made now, don't you? Well, no. Think about it. Your career is to risk life and limb trekking across the world looking for old underground places to loot and monsters to kill. And that's it. That is all you will do forever. Why? because you will always be trying to get stronger and more powerful so you can go loot bigger underground places and kill bigger and badder monsters. Remember that old anti-drug PSA? I buy coke so I can work harder, so I can earn more money, so I can buy more coke. That will be your eternal circle circle jerk. 
And let's say you make it to an epic level, one of the most powerful beings on the material plane. So what? There will always be something more powerful. Eventually, a new source book will come out, and you'll be relegated back to the level of wannabe super being. The final reason is pain. Think about the last time you cut yourself, or sprained a wrist. Hurt like hell, didn't it? Those injuries were minor, the equivalent of getting hit for three or four hit points. Imagine the pain that will follow being sliced, diced, immolated, constricted, envenomated, and eviscerated by hordes of drooling, bloodthirsty creatures. It will hurt more than jumping off a brick wall onto a bicycle ass-first that has the seat missing. Not that I've ever done that. So the next time you find yourself sitting at your cubicle and your boss comes over to chew you out for not filing a form correctly, or because you came in dressed casual rather than business casual, take heart. Be thankful that it's your boss and not some pit fiend impaling you with his plus five demon cock of fiery penetration as he screams, I will put my evil in you. Keep the perspective of your life clear and you will do well on the highway of life. And we're back. That was a great letter, Tom. Very motivational, I have was to it? say. Was it? Yeah, I thought yeah. so. Um, so, of course, we now have our little shout-outs, and I guess our guests can give their shout-outs first. Uh, Aaron, do you want to talk about your, your little shout-outs there, your little uh, things you want to shout-out to? Uh, I only have one yeah. for this, and it's mainly just because of a joyous thing that hap- happened. Um, the onc- it's not going to be getting laid. No. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Tom! What? You, you are yeah. No, no. Actually, King this is very asshole. this is very minor for Tom and our friendships. So yeah, actually, no. Um, Daybreakers, uh, which uh, Ross, Tom, and myself went to go see uh, last. That's uh, like last week. And all yeah. I can say is, fucking awesome. We have vampires. It's fun. It's, it's so it was it, it was an, it was an excellent. I wouldn't story. say awesome, but you know. No, yeah. Actually, it's uh, the things I know. It's an excellent story. Good acting. Interesting blend of traditional vampire lore and the more common like scientific explanation that they're doing in like underworld and stuff. So. It- um, it's directed by the same guys who did Undead back in 2003, the Australian zombie film. So if you want to see what they're doing with an actual budget, uh, be interesting to watch. I, I it, it's fun, so, you know. I ran a game yeah, all just, flesh must be eaten based just on good, the premise. So. It's like good. It's like good bloody fun. And also, I have to say this: Willem Dafoe fights vampires with crossbows and vintage cards. That's all you need to know. <laughs> all right, fair enough, Cody. Well, while we're on the topic of movies, uh, there's there's this little movie um, <laughs> that it's really under the radar. And yeah. so, um, Art it's, film. Yeah. It, yeah. Not very wide release. No, not at all. Um, yeah. Now it came out a little while back. It's called um, I think it's called Gladiator, and it's starring this this up and coming actor. I think his name's Russell. It's like Russell something. It's bird. It's yeah, a bird. it's a bird or something like yeah. that. But it's I mean just. I mean, no one's talking about this movie, yeah. and, it, and they really, they really fucking should, because yeah. this movie's brilliant. So I just want to bring that up because um, that's just one of my many shoutouts. Yeah. Uh, next is Team Conan. Um, I'm sure everyone knows about all the shit Except that's going on. Except our foreign listeners. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Many. That's true. In Poland. Um, and 
Brazil. And I, I won't go into the full and deal the because, I mean, Finland. the American media is just going to having a field day with it anyway. So, um, But anyway, uh, support Team Conan. You can get on the internet and type in I'm with Coco, and you can find like all sorts of things and just Team Conan on Facebook and um, support Conan O'Brien because uh, he's just amazing. Um, yeah. I had another shout out. Oh yeah, um, Gotham Knight. Yeah, Gotham. City. Gotham uh, there's a there's a book that I'm editing. Um, it's about the '60s Batman TV series. If anybody has has seen that, Adam West. Yeah, the Adam he West a Family Guy fan. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and you Batman. know, it's just fantastic. Uh, um, it's uh, when I say fantastic, it's not it's not a great series, but uh, the book is actually. Absolutely it's not fantastic. out yet. Though. It's not out yet. Then uh, it should you're, be. You're the first one talking about it. I know. Yeah. I know. Uh, I'm. I'm. Now this really is under the radar. Then so yeah, it is. Um, but it's. It should be coming out late summer, early fall. Um, you can go to sequart.com. Yeah, um, well, I'll, I'll link post, up to the yeah, next one. Uh, Sequart, they they do small press academic books about comics. Yeah, right. Uh, I mean, they did one. Uh, it's. Uh, doing a, a documentary Grant, about Grant Morrison. Yeah, they they had one Grant Mor- they had one Morrison book called Grant Morrison: The Early Years, and then yeah. they have another one coming out that's called um, Our Sentences Up, and it's about uh, it's about the Invisibles. Um, and it's I've edited that book too, and it's really fucking great. Um, and then they're having a documentary coming out. They also have a Legion of Superheroes book and an X Men book. Right, right. All sorts. So of So if you stuff, want to so. read critical academic thinking literature yeah. about funny books, it's fucking brilliant too. Yeah. It's a great. Really uh, great group, so check that out. All right, um, I've got a couple. Um, one is a another movie called Gamora. It's a 2008 uh, Italian film about the uh, Neapolitan mafia, the Camorra, uh, as they are called, and uh, it's a great epic movie about all these people who are being crushed by the crime syndicates. And um, just it's on Netflix, and if you have the uh, View It Now thing, like on the 360, if you want to watch it on the PC, you could just watch it for free streaming. Um, so, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, oh, and uh, Cody's reading something that's quite amusing. Uh, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll leave that as another surprise. Think doom repercussions of evil, but worse. And or better, depending on how you look at it. Ebony Ravenwing dimension. Um, <laughs> that's that's all I'm gonna. For those of you who are uh, internet savvy, might recognize that. Uh, then I'm gonna mention Rad <clears throat> Anthem, a awesome uh, music video and song. Uh, what happens when Jack in the Box and Burger King Colonel and uh, uh, the clown from McDonald's, um, Ronald McDonald, yeah, yeah, that guy. What happens when they uh, uh, go out on a night on the town? It's pretty fucking awesome is what it is. And uh, it's a good song, too. Um, and then finally, uh, Casey Green, he has a book coming out, a collection of his Horribleville comics, uh, his earlier autobiographical comics, kind of uh, semi-autobiographical. But they are quite funny. Books coming out February 16th, so uh, buy it now. Or pre-order it now, you can get a sketch signature thingy on it. So, yeah. Yeah. Tom, what do you got? I just got one. It's a uh, box set I recently received called Faulty Towers, British comedy series. Yeah. It's starring John Cleese. He of Monty Python. He of Monty Python. We who are about to laugh salute you. Yes. Yes. Uh, If you don't like Monty Python, then you're dead to me. Then so, uh, how can you be role-playing? I mean, I, I, I don't get it. I don't, see, I don't see how those things are compatible. I honestly don't. Ross, don't. Just don't. I, I'm no, saying. No. You, you, it's so I, I will just the say, Venn yes, diagram uh, is really fucked good. up, is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's very good. You should purchase it. Um, yes. Okay. Very good. And, of course, finally, we have anecdotes. Now, um, 
first we have one from uh, a uh, let's see here. Um, Ross prepared Jeff. for this. Yeah, he just sent it today. Actually, um, or actually no, yesterday. Hi, Ross and Tom. My name is Jeff, and I'm a fan of the show and the actual plays. They help during the long, boring days uh, making dreams come true. He works for a video game company. So, Mother of God. Anyways, I have for you a game anecdote about a vampire LARP game I played in when I was at university more than a decade ago that lasted three years. And before I begin, I'm telling you right now that by some divine intervention, it was not one of those vampire LARP games with weirdos and guys with eyeliners. In all those years, there were only two goths who played with us, and they were both of the hot girl variety. So it was okay. Most <laughs> yeah. of the other players were theater geeks, frustrated science geeks, and geeks with at least a modicum of skill points in, people's, in the people skills. At the peak, there were 30 players, 17 men, 13 women uh damn french canadians they get all the good role players <laughs> uh, damn you <clears throat> anyways uh as the game for itself is in the world of darkness of the late 90s before all the apocalypse stuff it was situated in troy rivias a city in canada situated right between quebec city <laughs> yeah. canada yeah. really? really ross canada canada yeah, <laughs> Canada. Yeah, I, I, it was a joke. Kind of the French pronunciation. No. Yeah, uh, Montreal, uh, controlled by the Sabbath. Uh, Sabbath. Well, he he says Sabbath. Well, I have to correct you because it's fun. Yeah, the premise of it: we were Camarilla trying to gain control of the city and build an avant post for the Camarilla. I guess a beachhead or something i don't know uh also the storyteller made it that the first player that joined the games had good background stories were to play elders while the prince was played by the storyteller's boyfriend as an npc there were seven of us that got to be elders my character was uh peter hobbenstoffen uh a franco-german uh tremere inquisitor with a paranoid derangement which i played on a lot so during the first year of play uh the game swelled to about 20 people uh, main focus was most poli mostly political infighting between the elders, the other players allying themselves with the main alliance of elders, defending the territory against uh, Sabat and werewolf uh, infestations. At the time, succubus demon walked around in the asylum. I was part of an alliance with Ventru, Elder, and Gangrels. Minor members were only the other Ventru, Malkavian scientists, Giovanni, Toreadors. Other alliances were the savages, Gangrel, Bruja, uh, all the other Gangrels and Bruja in the city, uh, and the weirdos, the old clan Shamise. Uh, La Sombra, uh, and a bunch of uh, Nosferatu and a Toreador. So during the game, I was composing journal entries as the paranoid Pete uh, after each game and sending them to the storyteller with my actions that my character was doing during the week. We So often enough, the storyteller uh, was telling me how much she appreciated my journal entries each week, and I was the only player to do so, but I never got any bonus XP or uh, anything. I continued to write the entries because I was having fun. Uh, so it comes in the last session of the school session, um, of the semester probably, I guess. Uh, game begins, chilling at asylum, the prince is there passing judgment and stuff, when suddenly come in ten guys dressed up in full military gear, friends of the storyteller and the other people that would join in at the next year, with water pistols and plastic katanas and started attacking in-game. So we started having a large fight, but the hunters were able to kill the prince and all the minor members of my alliance. The only members left were me, uh, the Ventru, and the Gangrel Elder. So the bait immediately starts as, who's taking over now that the prince is dead? And suddenly our Gangrel announces that he's betraying us and kills the Ventru in a single round of combat. Then the weirdos announce that they're, gonna, they're really moles in the camera really for the Sabbath. I'm all alone, in shock, and there was a three-way fight. Uh, a lot of them have speed, strength, or toughness, and are combat monsters, which I'm not. Screw the masquerade, I start hurling fireballs, because I'm a Tremere, but they quickly gang up on me and kill me. So the storyteller comes up to comes up to me and says and then you wake up and everybody starts laughing my jaw dropped they were all in it the storyteller used my journal entries 
as a paranoid guy to create the last game, told everyone what they had to do, and they all played their part to make it true. So in those entries, I feared that the Gangrel would betray us, that the Prince was too weak, there'd be more chaos. And uh, so everyone had a lot of fun. We stayed late drinking beers and laughing, the most awesome game ever. So basically the entire game was just the par- the this one vampire having a hallucination about what would happen to him uh, if everyone was going to betray him. So uh, prove it is possible to have a v- fun vampire LARP, LARP without, without uncomfortable weirdos and a fun game session that was all a dream scene. So uh, keep up the good work on the podcast and the actual play. The New World stuff is really fun to listen to. So uh, Do you know Tyler Durden? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, the French-Canadian pronunciation of that. I, I, I don't Whatever. know what you would say that. There you go. Thank, Thank you, you. Cutter. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we. It's all European. Berky, it, berky, berky. Well, French Canadian. That's not really. Uh, finally, <laughs> it's all foreignese. What the hell? Are American. Um, but, but before we end, we need to explain one thing. I know we bring it up in the actual plays a lot, and we've explained it on the forums, but. Uh, there's sort of an in-joke, a catchphrase that we use a lot. And we never recorded that particular game where it started. Uh, it's called, there are monsters in the school, Tom. And we, we've just gone and used it. And I, I don't, I, I can't, I, just let my mind that we never explained it to you, the listener. So, Cody, do you want to explain it? Yes, I'd be more than happy to. Uh, this was back when we were playing Monsters and Other Childish Things. Um, and I played a, a character who, I mean, you know, monsters, you all have a pet monster. And... To establish the ridiculousness of it, you know, my monster was this, you know, man-sized alligator in a trench coat that cried, like, cream cheese tears, and he could turn into a lunchbox. So, I mean, you know, suspension of disbelief is pretty well, I mean, it's it's fucking magic, he can do anything, anything can happen. So, um, we had this one particular session where there was a ghost that we had to... um, uh, ...try to, like, get them on to to the next world and stuff, and... I had gone back to the school and everyone else had gone to like this house that was nearby in the suburbs and they were being haunted by this ghost. And, uh, and I apparently saw the ghost as well. And it was ran down to this boiler room and I was able to phase through this wall and go down and try and talk to it and stuff. Um, long story short at the end of the game, you know, Ross was doing his typical, does anybody have any questions, comments or anything like that? And someone said, well, how is it that there was a ghost at this house in the suburbs, but it was also in the in the school, and the real reason is because Ross forgot that I had the ability to phase, and he was just trying to get me into the story again, which goes back to the whole idea of GMing and and coming up with stuff on the fly, and the difference between a, a veteran GM and a rookie GM and stuff like that. Um, but but Ross, being the expert GM he he is, decided to bullshit his way through it and say, "Oh well, uh, it just so happens that uh, you know the the spirit world is very strange, and he was tied to the school, and you know whatever ham-fisted jack-off thing that he tried to say, and." And Tom wouldn't let it go for for the fucking life of him. Tom just was like, he's like, no, that doesn't make sense because of this and this and this. And I finally turned to him and I said to him, I was like, Tom, there's monsters in the school. I was like, there's monsters in the school, Tom. Who cares? You know? And then at that point, everyone in, in, in the group just kind of laughed it off and we all realized, you know, that that's our now... And that was our catchphrase from then on for any time that you need to suspend your disbelief. You just say, oh, well, there's just monsters in the fucking school, Tom. You know, it's like, it goes back to D&D. It's like, it's like 
we all pick apart these stupid little things like, oh, I don't think that this character could do this, or I don't think yeah. they could do this. Like we're we're fighting things that can turn you into stone and have ninety eyes in their brain. You know, it's like suspend your fucking disbelief. It's okay. It doesn't matter. You or know? or the or the kind of people yeah. who watch Star Trek and Star Wars and be like, oh, well, in real life, where the physics of this were, totally wouldn't work at all. Or if Batman was shot his grapple gun while he's falling down a skyscraper, it would wrench his arm out of the socket. Yeah, you know? exactly. It's like, it's, like, it's you yeah. just you just have to... You, <laughs> You're <laughs> part you, of the Jason. problem, Jason. <laughs> but, it, you know, it, it just... Yeah. It was it was funny too because everyone else wanted to like at first we were gonna try and say oh well there's monsters in the school Sam or there's monsters in the school Katie but I was like I go no no matter what it is <laughs> whoever we're talking to we always end it with Tom's name it will always end with Tom's names there's always monsters in the school Tom even if Tom isn't here it's always there's monsters in the school Tom so that's where it comes from yeah Tom you and so uh, yes when human civilization is wiped away and whatever follows us is now walking our ruins. They will know the phrase, there are monsters in the school, Tom. I will be remembered forever. Yes, and on that note, we will uh, end this episode of Real Blame Public Radio, and uh, we'll see you next time.